0: Hey, I'm Kevin, the student pastor at Shore Church again. Thanks for listening to our message. We strive each week to bring you relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To find out more about us or what's going on at the church, head on over to scog.com or download the app. Hope you enjoy the message. Good morning. We are in the middle of a series called Hall of Fame leaving a legacy and we've been talking about all kinds of different um, men and women in the Old Testament and kind of discussing them diving deep into their lives figuring out who they were why they were the way they were and really what that means to for our life how does that apply to us and um, before I even get into that I wanted to make one more announcement the ladies mentoring program is uh, still looking for mentees there's a Lots of uh, ladies have signed up this week. Um, There's still room for you to get involved. If you are interested in being a part of that, uh, please, 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 please reach out to the office or go back to the the booth uh, in front of the window today. I'd love, love, love to uh, have you be a part of this wonderful thing. If you have questions, um, maybe you don't know, you don't know if that's really okay for you or whatever, uh, one, it's okay for you. If you have any inkling whatsoever that maybe you should be a part of it, should be a part of it. Um, so, so jump into that. Um, and then, all right, let's get into this. <clears throat> Turn in your Bibles to uh, Judge, Joshua 14. Joshua 14. Joshua 14. We're going to talk about a guy today um, that is, is fun. I enjoy uh, learning about this guy, talking about his life, and, and figuring out who he was We've talked about all kinds of people in this series. We've talked about a murderer. We've talked about liars. We've talked about cheats. We've talked about a beauty queen. We've talked about all kinds of people. Uh, we've talked about mothers-in-law and, and the whole gamut. And now it's on your scale of who's the worst in that whole uh, thing. Uh, but we've talked about all kinds of people. And today we get to talk about Gimli from the Lord of the Rings. Right. That's who I have in my head when I think about this character and it was all the willpower that I had to not go down the rabbit trail of watching all the Lord of the Rings this week because uh, I think of Gimli all the time when I think of this guy. His name is Caleb. And uh, so now in your head, whenever you read about Caleb or hear about Caleb, you can see the little dwarf from Lord of the Rings in your head. But that's who I think of because he's never seen a battle he's scared of. He's never seen uh, anything like, let me at him, let me at him. Uh, yeah, he's just like, I'm going. And that's who Caleb is. And he's, he's the perfect sidekick to Joshua. He's uh, just the kind of friend that you need to have. Someone's like, oh, we can do it, right? Sometimes those guys get you in trouble. Sometimes those guys lead you on the greatest experiences of your life, right? If you, if you were that person, you're like, yeah, that's who I was. Or if you had a Caleb in your life, you, you know, oh, man, those were stupid things that we did. But, man, that was an awesome, awesome memory. So we're going to talk about Caleb today and the legacy that he leaves is, is one very unique, I think. It's one we need to hear, one we need to internalize, one we need to uh, become okay with, because we're not okay with this. Caleb's legacy is, he, is uh, he leaves a legacy of being at ease in the unease. He leaves a legacy of being at ease in the unease. When something seems difficult, he's comfortable. When something seems hard, he's like, yeah, that's what I want to do. He probably, he has one of the hardest calls on his life. He's called to do something that is harder than almost everybody else in the Bible. His calling would scare the bejeebas out of everybody. In fact, because of his calling, what he is driven to do, the the mass, mass majority of the kingdom of, or the nation of Israel said, I don't want to go to the promised land. It's too scary. And Caleb's like, come on, let's go. Did you see the size of the grapes over there? This is the place. This is where we're going. And everyone else says, but Caleb, there's giants living there in walled cities. Because you know the one thing that giants need? More of an advantage. They need, they need, more. They need a better walled city. They need better weapons. That's, that's what they need. And Caleb's like, ah! let me at them. Let's go. Yeah, it's going to be hard, but you know, God is with us. We got this. Let's, let's go. But the people chicken out. He's like, no, 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 no. It's too much. And as a response to them not being at ease in the unease, they have to wander around the desert for 40 more years. Now, as a kid growing up, I thought, man, what a bunch of chickens. Don't they know who God is? Don't they know that God's with them? Don't they know the battles they can win? Don't they know, don't they know, don't they know? As I've gotten older, I sympathize with the nation of Israel a whole lot more. Because how many times have we faced something that's really dramatic, really hard? It looks nasty. It looks, those are giants over there. We're like, desert doesn't look too bad. I think about it in my call on my life and, and what I would like God to call me to. I want him to call me to running a dive shop on Kauai. <laughs> right? I feel if, if the opportunity arose and said, Jared, we have this ministry opportunity for you. You're going to minister to beach bums on Kauai. Like, there's a long line. Sign me up for that one, right? That's not a hard sell. Jared, we really think you need to be called to run tours uh, of Rome to tourists. I mean, I, I think, I feel, yes, I feel God's presence in this. Yeah. Right? It's very easy. It's very easy. But when he's like, no, uh, Jared, I, I, you're supposed to go and take the land from the giants. I, are you sure? Did you not hear the quiet part? Because that's what I was praying for. And so when we, in our lives, in, in the way in which we construct ourselves, we, uh, we have been thinking about life in a way that we say, you know what, if it's got any resistance at all, it can't be from God. When God closed that door. No, there's just a wind blowing in. God shut that window. It's just not where I'm supposed to go. Are you, are you sure? Or are you just looking outside and it's a little warm out there. I don't want to go. There's a big difference between God shutting a door and there just being resistance. It's a huge mammoth difference. Resistance is not a no. Resistance is the opportunity to get stronger. Resistance is not a no. It's an opportunity to get stronger. This is a hard truth. Because in our marriages, in our work life, in our parenting, in our careers, we see a no and we're like, oh, I'm out of here. We see a, a resistance in that and we go, oh, God must not be in it. It's not true. It's an opportunity to get stronger. If you've ever been lifting weights in any way, shape or form, if you only pick up the lightest weights in the place that you can do easily, you don't get stronger. If I walked into the gym today, and I grabbed the, the one-pound weights, I'm like, wow, wow, oh, man, I'm going to get ripped now. There's no resistance in that. And there are certain things I could do to make it hard. I could go as fast as I could and keep on going and burn out my muscles, and I could do it that way, yes. But I'd have to work really, really hard to make the easy things build any sort of muscle. Now, there's a truth in that as well. If we could just only continue to do the easy things, we have to do them really, really, really well before there's any sort of resistance to make it worth its while. Resistance is not a no. Resistance is an opportunity to get stronger. And so maybe we have to push on that door a little bit harder. Maybe we have to shovel a little snow to get outside. Resistance is not a no. Resistance is the opportunity to get stronger. The people of Israel saw resistance and what? The promised land is full of people. Lord, could you send them an eviction notice? Could you say, guys, could I know you've lived here for a little bit, but this is really ours? Could you just move on? Yeah, we got walled cities. You're going to have to make us move in, in, in some way, shape, or form. And so the beginning of Joshua is really is all about the kingdom of Israel coming in and invading the promised land. This has been promised to them and fighting huge battles. And we find ourselves in the beginning of, of chapter 14, or up to 14, Joshua is leading this strategic military operation where he is going and taking out the biggest cities of the promised land, Jericho's first to fall, right? Because Jericho owns the gateway to the rest of the kingdom. Promised Land. It's the easiest place to cross the Jordan. It's the the entryway to the roads that we always are talking about. He has to conquer Jericho, and then after that, basically, a lot of the the other area of Israel opens up. And so you conquer Jericho, and then you go on to a different city. and You go on to a different city, and you go on to a different city. I was always confused by the back end of 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 Joshua and Judges because like. They're doing a lot of fighting, and, and Joshua seems to be winning a lot, but why are they still fighting? It's because strategically what's happening is Joshua keeps the huge army together. They defeat, and they move over here, and they defeat, and they move over here and defeat, and they move over here and defeat. And then he, in, 14, he is, in 14 and 15, he's dividing up the nation to say, okay, we fought all the big battles together. One, keeping you all together and feeding you all is a pain in the rear. Two, it's time for you to grow up and go take care of your own stuff. Because if you're always just depending on me to lead these battles, this isn't going to work. Because without any resistance, right, you don't get any stronger. And so he divides them up. He says, this tribe, you go take care of that land. This tribe, you go take care of that land. You're going to take care of this. You're going to take care of this. That's going to be yours. So now you've got skin in the game, right? If this is going to be my land, I've got to earn it instead of just being given to you. And so this is what's, what's going on. We find ourselves... At the end of all this list, in Joshua 14, 6 through 15, is he comes to Caleb. He says, all right, Caleb, my man, my right-hand guy, my fellow troublemaker, the guy who would go, who sees giants and says, hey, we can take them. What do you want? Where do you want to go? Where do you want to lead your family? So here we are. Remember, Gimli is saying this for you. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of uh, Jephunui, Jeff- Jeff- the Kinsite. See, you can just make up stuff. It's okay. All right, Kenzadite said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh, Burnia, about you and me? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh, Burnia to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance, that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord of my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out and battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard that the Anakites were there, and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out, just as he said. Then Joshua. I imagine there's a big smirk on Joshua's face in this moment, right? Just... Oh man, those those giants have no idea what's coming at them. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jeppanuah. <laughs> Je, Jepp is what we're going to call it, son of Jepp, and gave him Hebron as an inheritance. Followed the Lord. How would Mom yell at him? Jeppanuah. Sorry, that's that's how I read the Bible. Apologize. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jeppanuah, and the kids and I ever since because he. Followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Hebron used to be called Kirith Arba Arba after Arba, who was the greatest man among the Anakites. And the land had rest from war. And the land had rest from war. Okay, the Anakites. Jared, no one was mentioning giants. The Anakites are the giants. They're mentioned in uh, Numbers 14, I believe, as being really tall people, being these really big guys. Goliath is thought to have been a descendant of the Anakites. So if we know Goliath was nine feet tall, we've got this huge group, a huge tribe of hill people um, that are these ginormous warriors in fortified cities. And that's where I keep on calling them giants if you're wondering where that that came from. But we have Caleb. He says, God's promised me this. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Yeah, I'm 85 years old. I, I want to see the guy who would make fun of Caleb's age, right? That's not going to happen. Hey, old man, bam. <laughs> so, like that, was, that was not an impediment to being used, right? Some of us say, oh, I'm too young. Oh, I'm too old. Oh, I'm, I'm past my prime. You know, whatever it is, I, I, I've, I've seasoned out of ministry or what God is going to have me do. This guy's 85 years old. He's picking on the biggest fight of his life. That excuse doesn't hold any water, does it? You can be a cantankerous 40-year-old or a cantankerous 50-year-old or a cantankerous 85-year-old as long as you're cantankerous for the Lord. Okay? That's fine. Just go after it. This is what Caleb is saying. God, give me the hard stuff. Resistance is not a no. It's an opportunity for strength. Caleb is at ease with being uneasy. This is a trait that we've got to start developing in our own lives. I struggle with this. I like easy, right? We're always looking for the easy button. We spend thousands and thousands of dollars at Home Depot for a tool that will make it easier. It's actually just a gimmick, and a hammer would have worked just fine, right? But we keep on, we keep on, we keep on looking for, and ladies, you do that with beauty products, so I don't want to, like, Elbows to the Home Depot run, okay? You do it all the time too. Uh, Caleb is at ease with, the un, with being and that, uh, uneasy, and that's what we have to work through. Because there's so many times in life when we, we see a challenge with our kids, we see a challenge in our marriage, we see a challenge at work, and we're just like, mm, I'm just not going to touch that anymore. Now, there are some things that burn you, and you're like, you know what? That's a, that's a no. That's a dangerous spot. I shouldn't touch the oven when it's on. There's also some things like, no, this is worth fighting through. This is worth working through. Because is there anything that you've gotten easy that you love as much as something you worked really hard for? Bowen this past week at, at, um, at the father-son camping trip, he made a little knife out of wood with a real knife. Now, I don't understand everyone, why boys do this, and probably girls will do it as well, but you give them a, a knife And a stick, and all of a sudden it becomes either a gun or it becomes another knife. Well, well, son, that's a wooden one, and it doesn't do anything. The one that I'm let, okay, whatever you need to do. But now he's very proud of this. He put it in the fire, and he was trying to burn designs on it. He was doing all kinds of things with it. He learned all kinds of fun stuff, and he, he didn't cut off any of his appendages. So that was a huge win for me. But... We keep on working through these, these, these things that we, we have, to, have to work through. We have to work on it and, and, and struggle through and learn. And maybe sometimes we get nicks and sometimes we go, oh, yep, that was a knuckle that um, I learned that don't ever move the knife towards yourself. You move it away from yourself. You learn real quick how to fold that knife or all of a sudden your thumb's got a paper cut, look, paper cut looking thing on it. Also, there is nothing as bashful looking as a nine-year-old boy who just accidentally cut himself and doesn't want to admit it. Just, that, that has nothing to do with the, me- the message, but nope, you cut yourself? Nope. Well, the blood running down your leg, sure, seems like you just cut yourself. <laughs> Kelly's not in here right now, so I can say that. Uh, <laughs> so, so, uh, oh, I did. I did cut myself. This is from the kid who if he accidentally you know, stubs his toe, <gasps> yeah, yeah, but if you accidentally cut yourself, anyway, sorry. Um... It's a growing moment. But here's the deal. I got to teach him in the resistance of that. That's a hard thing. I'm uneasy with watching my son use a sharp instrument. I'm uneasy with it. It's scary. Some of you parents are like, you are a terrible father. Maybe. But, but you're kind of you're scared about the whole thing. But how else is he going to learn if he never holds a sharp object, if he never does it, if I never teach him the proper way to hold the knife, if I never teach him the proper way to, to, to scrape the bark away from a stick, He's never going to learn. Would it be easier for him? No, you're not going to do that. Maybe. But then he doesn't get the strength from it. He doesn't get the knowledge from it. Same thing happens in our lives all the time. In our marriages, there are battles, there are fights that that maybe this is going to be a little weird. Those are subjects that we don't want to bring up. Those are things that we don't want to touch. They're going to be hard but it's worth it because right now we're at a place of just stalemate. I'm not going to touch that. You're not going to touch this. We're going to just kind of coexist. And until we cross that line and are willing to say, you know what? I'm not fighting you. I'm fighting for you. I'm not, This, this is just the situation we have to deal with. Not attacking who you are. I'm attacking this issue, this problem. How do we deal with this? How do we move on from here? Does that cause all kinds of unease? Absolutely. Is it worth it? Yes. That's how things get better, how you get stronger. I ask again, is there anything that you love that you didn't have to work hard for? Maybe a sports team. You didn't have to do anything for the Bears ever, except buy a ticket maybe once or twice. Is there anything that you absolutely love, something you're proud of? i tell you what, that little knife that's hanging around my house right now that's made out of wood, man, my son's really proud of that because it came out of a place of unease. There's something you've accomplished in life that, oh, man, I had to work. That was so far out of my comfort zone. I'm proud of that. I used to take my students on a high ropes course um, at the, same, the day before we went whitewater rafting. And so it was the whole thing was just rip kids out of their comfort zone. you got kids that are scared of heights. you got kids that are doing the, they're screaming at me, yelling at me. I hate you, Jared. That's fine. And then they're giggling and screaming and laughter in about five seconds. when they're coming down the zip line. I don't want to go to the rapids. I don't want to go to the rapids. Hey, as long as I'm not in your boat, I don't care. <laughs> they come out. That was the greatest two hours of my life. I know. Those same things that we're teaching in those moments are the moments that we have to learn in our lives because guess what? As parents and as adults, we think we have this this idea in our life, ah, if it's easy, it's fine. I just got to keep on working my way back to comfort. Keep on working my way back to comfort. That's not what we see in the scripture. We see people called, all the effective people, none of them are called to New York dive shops in Kauai all the people that are, 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 are given these, these amazing opportunities to do amazing things for God, and change the world and change people around them, they're hard things. They're dealing with difficult issues. They're all facing giants of different kinds. Whether that's leading a people through the desert, whether that's facing actual giants, whether that's trying to judge what's right and what's true for a, for a kingdom... Always, always having to face these massive things. Folks, if we're going to be effective for the kingdom of God, we have to face the big things in our life because that is the opportunities where we actually get to affect change and we get to be stronger because of it. Has anything that you love been easy to attain? I work really, really hard on my marriage. It's not easy to have a good marriage. It's really hard to have a great marriage. Some of you know that. It's easy to have a bad marriage, by the way. It's, it's, it's e- easy just to be like Ugh, whatever. It, you, can, you can find yourself in a bad marriage real quickly and just because you didn't do anything for it. It's hard to have a good marriage. It's really easy to be a bad parent. Just throw stuff at your kids. Donut. Donut. You know just have a frosted bag next to you, and whenever they cry, just whoop, be like little seals.. <laughs> Some of you are like, that is exactly what I want to do. They, they bark at me and I throw them food. Okay, I like this parenting style. That's not what I'm advocating. It's easy, it's easy to do that. But then you find yourself in a year or two and you're like, oh, my gosh, what did I do? What did I create? <laughs> it's hard to be a good parent. It's so worth it. My goal, like, what are two things I'm most proud of in life? Having kids that are decent Having a good marriage. Just Bowen slept over last night after a after a two-doubleheader baseball game. I was like, you sure you want this kid? They're like, yep. Was, yeah, I let him sleep over. I was like, sure, whatever. Slept over. I went and picked him up this morning real early. I was like, how was Bowen? Because it could get a little dicey after playing catcher in 100-degree heat yesterday. Oh, he was fantastic. I'm good. I don't care what you do at the baseball game today. You can strike out five times. Don't care. They said... Now, you're going to have to remind me about that one, by the way. Uh, uh, hey, your kid was fantastic tonight. There we go. It's because you've got to be willing to do some hard things. Now, I always don't get those reports, by the way. So I'm not saying the best parent. But you, is anything that I'm proud of, anything that I want to strive towards, been easy? No, you've got to do the hard things. Today, as we look at Caleb's life, what are the giants that are you, facing, you are facing in your life? Maybe they're at work. Maybe they're in your marriage. Maybe they're with your kids. Maybe if you examine yourself, you're like, I've taken the easy way out so many times. First thing is it's not too late to start doing the hard things. You've got to be at ease with the uneasy. So this morning, as we look at our... Our different giants, as we look at the obstacles that we've got to face to be effectively used by God, to do what he's called us to do. I don't know what that is for you. There's all kinds of different stuff. And I don't know all of your stories. You're like, Jared, you don't know how big my giants are that I've got to slay. I understand. But if God can give Caleb the ability and the courage to face actual giants behind walled cities... To do what he's asked you to do, he'll give you the power and the strength and the discernment to deal with your issues. Let's pray this morning. God, I ask for your courage. I ask for your power. I ask for your discernment this morning. And how do we figure out what our giants are? How do we figure out the issues that we have? How do I figure out what's a no and what's the... What's just resistance? God, will you give me the courage and the strength to stand up and say, you know what I want? The hard stuff. I want to go through. My marriage is worth it. My my children are worth it. I want to fight for you. God, will you give us the courage to say no to the easy and step fully into the plan that you have for us? God, with your strength, we can do it. We can't do this by ourselves. We can't do this in a vacuum. We can't do that. We try to do different things. We are pulled naturally to the easy. God, will you give us the strength to do the hard things? God, will you guide our hand? Will you guide our tongue? Will you guide our mind? We know you are able to do amazing things wonderful, miraculous things in our community, in our marriages, in our parenting, and our workplaces. We crave to see the miraculous. Will you give us the strength to participate in it? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us at church this week. And a special thanks to all those who continue to support our mission through your generosity. You too can support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community by giving on the website or through the app. To make sure you never miss out on a message, be sure to subscribe, and don't forget to hit that share button to spread the word. Have a great week.